Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Uh, I'm going to say it. I know a lot of people have said it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Greatest halftime show ever. It's debatable. It's up there. It's up there. Prince is still number one for me. That's understandable. But this was a very good show at the Super Bowl, and we have a lot to discuss about that because this is a sports edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on social media. All our links are right there. We are very interactive. We will chat with you on whatever platform we decide to talk to you on. Also, check out the T Public store. Got a lot of good stuff on there that I'll tell you the sales from Valentine's Day weekend. Woo! Going through the roof, so thank you very much for everybody that took advantage of that sale. Parlay points, new blogs dropping this week. Got a lot to say, especially on Blogs Count Anywhere. All of that and so much more, odphpodcast.com. But let us talk about the big game that was. Yeah. The NFL season is officially in the books. Uh Uh-huh. Because after the Super Bowl is all said and done, it's a new season. Yeah, and it was also the largest television ev- uh, event in the last, like, five years. Uh, the numbers from Nielsen coming out today because, uh, hey, that's how they work. Uh, and they were to the tune of 112.3 million viewers here in the States. Wow. Good Lord. And that was up from the, it was either 91 or 92 million uh, from last year's Super Bowl. Well, the Super Bowl is this monumental event that uh-huh. it doesn't matter if your team is in it or not. If you are a sports fan, you tune in, whether it's the commercials, yeah. whether it's the halftime show, whether it's just the camaraderie of getting everybody together to watch the game. Yeah. The Super Bowl has transcended just being an average game or a championship game. It's an event. Mm-hmm. And this is why so much hype is gone into this. So now seeing what we had this past week with the L.A. Rams, is it all right to say hosting yeah, the Cincinnati I know. Bengals. They were technically the away team, but it's their own damn stadium. Right, it's just a wild Semantics. thing to think of, too. But the two best teams in the NFL had their throwdown, and man, there's a lot to break down from this game. Yeah. So, Pad Super Bowl Fifty Six. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So, of course, it was the LA Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, as we mentioned, and the LA Rams emerged victorious, winning by the final score of twenty-three to twenty. Matthew Stafford, 26 of 40 for 283 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Joe Burrow, 22 of 33 for 263 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, On the running game side, you had Cam Akers, 13 carries, 21 yards, no touchdowns. Joe Mixon, 15 carries, 72 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, And then on the receiving side, you had Cooper Cup, who was the eventual Super Bowl MVP. Uh, Eight catches, 92 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., two catches, 52 yards. One touchdown, of course, he did leave the game with the injury. Uh, And then on the flip side for Cincinnati, T. Higgins, four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. And Jamar Chase, five catches, 89 yards, no touchdowns. Well, there's a lot to to break down about this game. I mean, the first half was very back and forth. Yeah. I don't think any team really established 
any kind of will in this game thus far. No. It was very back and forth, very close. I thought Joe Burrow came out very, very solid. I mean, he wasn't really lighting everything up too much. Matthew Stafford played very well, too. Yeah. And that was the big focus we were going to say is, okay, how is Joe Burrow going to do with his offensive line hold up against the Rams' defense, especially Aaron Donald, for this game? Yeah. For three quarters, they did a very good job about that. Yeah. But as we switch to the second half, I mean, we got to remember, too, it was only 13-10 to 10 at halftime. It was very close. It's very close. But the Bengals were playing very, very well going into the half. They stopped Cam Akers. He was a non-factor. Yep. So their run game, you can throw right out the window for the Rams. Yep. The Bengals' defense was playing very solid. They were slowing down Cooper Cup. Yeah. Beckham Jr. got a couple passes here and there. Yeah, he got the, he had two catches, the one touchdown, but then he went down with the knee injury. And I think it, it, he was questionable throughout the remainder of the first half, but once the second half of the game started, was officially listed as out. Right. But you have to remember, too, the referees were not calling a lot of things. And this is yes. something we're going to bring in twofold here in just a sec. But for what we saw out of this first half, it was pretty solid back and forth. So both teams had to be feeling somewhat good about this yeah. going into the second half. Yeah, I'd say going into the half, L.A. was playing slightly better than mm-hmm. than uh, the Cincinnati was. Cincinnati was still in it, but just in terms of like having a better footing in terms of, like, Offense and defense, L.A. had the slight advantage. Right. But then the second half is where everything really exploded. Yeah. Now you could say everybody got really amped up from the Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Blige halftime show. Uh, As you should. Which I think definitely there was a great buzz in the crowd, too, because Cincinnati came out firing. This was a whole different ball game. This second half, especially I, the third quarter. I have not seen a second half start to a Super Bowl like that since Sean Payton and co. down in New Orleans decided to open up the second half of their Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts with that onside kick. No, I have. I agree with I, you. I have not seen anything like that. That I, I expected Cincinnati to come out the gate firing and, and try and up, to, you know, uh, up the tempo of the game. And I wasn't expecting that, though. No, because once Joe Burrow connected... On a very questionable touchdown to T. Higgins. Yeah. Because the referees missed a blatant face mask. Yeah, well, blatant when you see it in slow motion 900 times. Right. but In In the the moment, yeah. In the heat of the moment, though, they missed it, which I still cannot get over to this day, but it is what it is. Cincinnati got the ball back. Matthew Stafford did an egregious turnover. It really wasn't his fault, though, on the next drive. No. Because the wide receiver just missed it in his hands and kind of threw it up in the air. But... Turned the ball over. Bengals went down the field, had to settle for three. Yep. They looked like they were taking over the game. But then we get to the fourth quarter. Yep. And then this is where everything gets a very, very interesting. Because still, at this point, the game is not out of reach. And and Cincinnati, or was it the Rams, weren't I can't remember who, weren't playing with exactly with a lot of like uh urgency. That like I think it was I think it was the Rams. The Rams were being very uh, relaxed. Yeah, I like, guess is a nice way to put it. They were down. You know, clock was running. They weren't trying to get out of bounds. They were taking their time getting to the line. I I think even Collinsworth and Michaels were like, "Hey, you ain't got a lot of time here." You know, so it was it was an interesting game plan. Well, especially in the fourth quarter, I think the Rams had felt they'd been here before. Sure, and they just seemed to take their sweet time doing this because you got to remember too. At this point, 
The game is not out of reach. No. I mean, it's 20 to 16. Yeah. So the Rams, I mean, obviously have put on a lot of points, but they have won ugly two in this playoffs as well. I mean, you have to take a look at the 49ers game as, as prime example. So they weren't rattled. I mean, relaxed is probably the nice way to put it. But Matthew Stafford was eating up a lot of clock. Yeah. And then when you get to the opportunities where the Bengals had the chance to start putting this game away and they yeah. failed. Yeah. This is where the defense finally started cracking through that offensive line. Aaron Donald was starting to get momentum going. Yeah, because they, they, Cincinnati pretty much had Aaron Donald in shock for most of that game. Mm-hmm. That like He was still making his presence felt, but it wasn't like a dominating Aaron Donald performance like you might be used to. Right, but they were definitely putting some more pressure on Burrow, and he, yeah, was, he yeah. was getting a little more rattled. But at this stage, too, this is where the game really has been the controversial part. Yeah. Because when you get to the final two minutes of the game, the Rams are driving down the field, and they are in scoring range, and all of a sudden, the referee finds their whistle, (laughs) finds their flags. Yeah. Every play, it felt like. Uh, Yeah, I've got the play-by-play from ESPN.com pulled up in front. So so you got the two-minute warning, and then you got one, two plays that happened. You had an incomplete pass from Stafford to Jefferson. Uh, that was at 155 in the fourth. Uh, with 151 in the fourth, you had uh, Matt Stafford incomplete pass to Henderson. So that was on second and goal. This is now third and goal, 147 left in the fourth. Uh, Matt Stafford had an incomplete pass to Cooper Cup. However, a penalty was called on Cincinnati for defensive holding. Yeah. Uh, four yards, it was enforced at the Cincinnati 8. So first and goal. Uh, this is at the Cincinnati four. This is also with a minute 44 left. Uh, Matt Stafford had a short pass right to Cooper Cup. Touchdown, but it was nullified uh, on a penalty from the L.A. Rams uh, for offensive hold- holding. And, mm. you know, offsetting it was enforced at the Cincinnati four, you know, because there was also a penalty uh, for unnecessary roughness. So that was you know, offsetting. So, again, first and goal, Cincinnati four. It's now a minute 38 left. Uh, you had Matt Stafford pass incomplete to Cooper Cup. However, there was a penalty on Eli Apple of the Cincinnati Bengals for defensive pass interference. Uh, so now it's first and goal, minute 35 left. Uh, you had Matt Stafford up the middle. Uh, this is Cincinnati one for no gain. Uh, Cincinnati took their first time out. Uh, at a minute 29 left in the game. In well, then the next play was the Cooper Cup uh, touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford. Yeah. So this is where everything kind of really fell apart because, one, the pass interference call. That was bullshit. That was very, very bad. That was bullshit. But the holding penalty prior was the biggest egregiousness, if I can use that word, I think I've seen in a game. Now, when you're swallowing the whistle and you're letting them play, you're having some physical contact. Yeah. I can understand that. And both teams were getting away with a lot. So this is not one-sided. This is not like, oh, Cincinnati was getting away with murder and and, and the Rams were always getting something. No, no. This was both-sided. So I will say, like, if you're going to play a game like that, that's fine. Call it down the middle, though. If you're going to not call penalties on one side, you got to do it for the other side. Right. But that third down where they called holding. Yeah. That's where everything fell apart because that's not a hold. Like, there was contact. Sure, but was the route disrupted? No. no. Was the jersey held? No. no. It, it looked like it in the moment, but that was also like us in the moment trying. 
couldn't it wasn't like egregious like we've seen in some instances in the past where the the, the receiver or the running back is like two feet away from him and they've still got the friggin' held of the jersey. There might have been a little bit of a grab, but was it enough to really impede the progress of the receiver? No. No, because that happens every play. Yeah. Like In every down in football, there is holding to a degree. If they're going to start calling that holding, you might as well just give them flags and call it a day. Yeah, that's exactly right, Pat, because that threw off the momentum. When Cincinnati had them third down and getting ready to get the ball back because it was going to be fourth down, Rams are still at a distance. This is when the refereeing call really played a factor in this game. Oh, yeah. And you can't say otherwise, and I know people are going to be like, well, they got away with the 75-yard touchdown. They did. But at this stage in the game, and especially for how small, if at all, that contact was, Mm because depending on your perception of it, sure, you can't say that that's the same kind of penalty. No. You can't. This threw the momentum off. And then the Rams were getting the one weird dead ball call yeah. for an unnecessary roughness, yeah. which if the whistle was not blown, how was that a dead ball call? Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. That's the play that was set on the field. I don't understand it. I don't agree with it. But when you're giving the Rams, it's felt like more chances than what was really going on in the field. I was say it was third and goal when you had the first penalty, so you gave them one, two, three extra attempts. Yeah. When this is happening and you have not been calling anything for both teams for three and a half quarters, yeah. you can't suddenly call this now. It just feels like something was off and something definitely was not right with this series. And especially with how this was all playing, it just didn't go right. So I wasn't sure, so I just pulled up the team stats. And now this is accepted penalties, so we can't really factor in declined penalties. Sure. But in terms of accepted penalties, there were six for the entire game. Half of them were in 30 seconds. Yes. And and I know, let's face it, the refs handed, I will say it, the refs handed the Rams that, that game. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we'll never know if the refs didn't call all those penalties, if the Bengals would have pulled out for it, pulled out the win. But for all intents and purposes, the Rams were given that game by the refs. And and I know people, as a Patriots fan, I've fucking heard it for 20 goddamn years, yeah. that, oh, the refs handed the Patriots the win. I know Rich brought it up while we were watching the game. I'll bring it up here. Tom Brady never got that many freaking flags thrown in his favor in a game ever, or let alone in a Super Bowl. I agree with you. I agree with you fully. Like, you can say what you want about games given to a team. You can. And I know that everybody wants to compile on the Patriots, but listen, let's let's face facts. They never got this many chances in a situation. Like, there might be a late penalty here and there. Sure. But it never restarted a drive and put them on the one yard line. If the refs were going to give them all the opportunities, you know, like the Rams might have gotten, you don't think that shit would have happened against the Giants in 2007? Yeah. You don't you don't think the NFL would have loved the story of having an undefeated team for the first time in that point like 30 some odd years? Come it's, on. It's just perception is reality and when you're watching this unfold and you're comparing the penalties that were not called. Yeah. Like I say, I understand why people are saying about the the 75-yard touchdown. I get that. Oh yeah, I should have should have been called. Yeah, no, it should have. Absolutely. But it wasn't. But that did not throw off the momentum of this game. 
Sure. They threw off Ramsey for a couple of minutes, well, but he R- got back in it. Ramsey is very overrated. Yeah. I will say that. And but wait, it, Collinsworth says he's arguably the best corner in the league. Then Collinsworth was not watching the same game we all did because he got <laughs> burnt left and right. Yeah, he did. There was no question Jamar Chase was having a field day with him, and if Burrow had a better offensive line, he probably would have dropped 285 on him. Well, and you know what sucks is I saw a photo after the game was over. Had Donald not gotten through in and Burroughs had a second and a half more time to look, he had Chase wide open down the field. Well, let's talk about that drive, too, because the Bengals got the ball back roughly around a minute 25. I'm pulling it up now. Or am I going to stop the video from autoplaying? Because otherwise it'll jump the page back up. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there was the kickoff uh, from the L.A. 35 to the end zone. Touchback with a minute 25. Yep. So they got the minute, the ball back with a minute 25. And then Burrow was moving the ball up the field. Yeah, he had a uh, short pass to Jamar Chase uh, for 17 yards. Uh, mm-hmm. So then that, that first down, minutes, now minute 19 left. Joe Burrow passed to Tyler Boyd uh, for nine yards. Uh, so that made it second and one. It's now 54 seconds left uh, on a terrible no this huddle. Is, this is the problem we had Ter- right here. Terrible no huddle with absolutely no sense of urgency. You know what it reminded me of? If anyone's seen, and I can say this because I just watched it last week, the Adam Sandler Longest Yard movie, mm-hmm. where they're at the end of the game and and Burt Reynolds' characters call the the player like, oh, I don't think this is going to work, and blah, blah, blah. And, and Adam Sandler, you know, goes walking towards, the, he goes walking up to the line and he's telling, you know, great Kali, no, over here, you go over here. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I agree with you. Of that scene from the movie where I'm like, they don't know what the fuck to do. Once they got in that situation, that second down, you saw panic from the Bengals players. Not Joe Burrow. I want yeah. to stress this. Yeah. Joe was trying to lead everybody in a no huddle. Yeah, he was directing traffic, yeah. But everybody was not on the same page. Yeah. Now, what I thought their coach, Zach Taylor, should have done, call timeout. Uh-huh. You had two left. Yeah, you did. You're about 45-yard line, give take. Yeah. You should have called a timeout. Reset your team. This is what the coach needs to watch going on because you're burning precious time off the clock. Yeah, you just, and you didn't need to score. I, I said this while we were watching the game. You know, they got the ball back. All right, you don't need to score. You just need to get robotic leg McPherson, who at that point, I can't remember if he tied or had broken the postseason record for consecutive kicks made with Vinatieri. You've got McPherson, who's as goddamn automatic as it's been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to score. You know, it ain't you're down 26 to 20. Right. Or 27 to 20 or whatever other increments of seven or six you want to come up with. You don't need a touchdown. You just need to get in field goal range for McPherson. And I think at that point, they hadn't mentioned it during the game, but I would imagine this the roof of the stadium was closed because mm-hmm. it was fucking 85 degrees outside. Yeah. You know, so you ain't got to worry about wind or crosswind or any other bullshit like that. You just got to get in field goal range for McPherson. You know, but yeah, you you were all right. They were on the forty nine yard line, you know, and and you had the no, and it just fell apart from there because you had the incomplete pass to Jamar Chase. Then you come back, so it's third, <sighs> it's third and one. This might be the most egregious thing I think I've seen too uh, with this game. You have third and one at the Rams forty nine. It's forty eight seconds left. Shotgun play. You had uh, a run backup running back who wasn't mixing run to the right tackle for no gain. Yeah, let's let's break this down. Yeah. So you had Samaje Perney. Yeah. He is the backup running back. Yeah. Joe Mixon 
who had 15 carries, 72 yards. Yep. Averaging 4.8. Was decimating that offensive line for uh-huh. short gains. Uh-huh. Or defensive line, rather. Yeah. He was moving the chains. In that moment of time, why was he not on the field? Must have been hurt. And Perrine is there. And Perrine is not the guy I would trust with that ball. I'm no, sorry. No, I wouldn't. No. Mixon has been carrying your team the entire season. And Samaj, I, I'm sorry. Like, I just I could not see why he was there, let alone he got the ball. Yeah. Because the Rams knew when he was in there, focus on him. Because I think that they were thinking, okay, he's going to give you the surprise because we're not expecting this. Right. They picked up on it. They were waiting on that run. Right. Well, and I, I think... I think the, the Bengals might have psyched themselves out on this a little bit because I think they might have thought the best. So I think the Bengals might have thought the Rams were expecting pass because yeah. we've got Jamar Chase, we've got T. Higgins, we've got Tyler Boyd. You know, we're this close. We're, you know, we're at this part of the field. Oh, they're going to expect a pass. Why don't we run it? Which, okay, I, if that is your, when we'll never know unless somebody does a tell all interview, you know. We'll never know. But if that is the train of thought, okay, I get that. But I only get that and I only sign off on that if Joe Mixon is in the in the fee, on the field for yeah. the game. No disrespect to that backup running back, but that's like in parallel universe if the Seahawks decided to run the ball at, on the one-yard line against the Patriots, but they use their backup instead of Marshawn. Like, yeah. I don't co-sign on that if Marshawn ain't on the fucking field. Yeah, and I apologize if I'm messing up his name. But Perrine should not have been in that situation. No. I'm sorry. You don't go with your backups. The your season is on the line. Literally. It's all starters on the field. If you can suit up, you're in that rotation. You, and you've got that defense about as dialed up and amped up as they've been all year. Yeah. If anything, you need that one yard, I would have had Joe Burrow sneak. Oh, hell as yeah. crazy as that might sound. Dep- I, and granted, I know his knee got banged up, but yeah. I still would have done it. Oh, I would have too. Because why depending are, on how close it was, I don't remember. Well, yeah, because why are you going to Perrine? Like, I'm sorry, like that was a foolish play call by Taylor. Yeah, it was bad. And I'm sorry. Everybody knew your momentum was stopped. And then your team, and I even called it too. I said he's gonna get a sack here because this team yeah, is he defeated. Did. And even and even uh the videos already come out because the NFL obviously videotapes these things and coaches and players are mic'd up. The videos already come out from the game with McVeigh calling it. That, oh, Donald's going to get a sack right here. Yeah, because that line was decimated in mentally. You saw that that was like the last moment that they were like, everything was poured into that play for whatever reason. Yeah. They went with Perrine. Yeah. Because he, like, he complete passed the chase. All right, hey, that was only second down. It's third down. We still got a shot. You know, we still got a fighting chance. Soon as you had that boneheaded play, which the only thing I can shock that up to is you didn't have a plan. For if you're on that side of the field, that much time left, that game situation, you call that shit up? Yeah. That to me says you did not have a game plan for that scenario, and that's a mistake on your part. Cincinnati panicked. Like, that's the only way you can describe it. They panicked. Because the next play, like you touched upon, Donald got the sack. Yeah. And if Burrow had just an extra second. He would have had he would have had Chase, because if you go find the photo online, Chase was wide open down the field. He had his defender beat, but because Donald got there as quick as he did, he couldn't see him. Yeah. It's a sad story about how the Bengals let this slip out of their hands. I mean, congratulations to the Rams for winning your first Super Bowl since, like, 1999 or 2000 or whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. You know, congratulations. But still, 
terrible ending to what was up to that point a great game. Absolutely, because you have to look at the refereeing and the calls that were made because that was a momentum killer. When you oh, play absolutely. when you play sports it's a game of emotion. Oh yeah. And especially that late in the game where you're on the cusp of closing out your opponent, you can ice the game right then and there and then you have an egregious call to put it mildly. Yeah. One of the worst calls I've ever seen in that moment. That deflates deflates your team. Yeah, and I don't mind, you know, whether it's my team or it, whether my team's in it or not. You know, if it's that scenario and the team goes down the field and scores without any bullshit or shenanigans like we saw with this game, okay, hey, hats off to you guys. You guys played the better game. But when the refs get involved like that and there's that many fucking penalties in that quick succession, I can't tip the hat. I, You know, I still say congratulations, but... Yeah, I just can't say it. No, you you absolutely can't. And that's the sad thing about this, that this is where we're focusing on the game. The game was great until that point. Yeah, it was. Very back and forth. Both teams were very equal. I thought the Bengals played three and a half really good quarters. Yeah, they did. But that last half of the fourth quarter, everything fell apart. Whether it was Boyd dropping that easy third down catch, which yeah. that would have been um, – drive sustaining probably lead them to another touchdown probably would have happened when you have moments like that it just shows how young your team is and just how inexperienced you were in that moment and unfortunately for the Bengals it got exposed because say what you will about McVay and I understand he's one of the youngest coaches in the league he was there and he was more composed Zach Taylor wasn't and you can definitely tell by the the last drive that they ran the defense though Listen, if Cooper Cup is going to burn Eli Apple, I would not have been shocked by that. No. Because Eli Apple is very overrated, in my opinion. And when you're not even paying attention to the ball when it's getting thrown, you're going to get burned every time. Yeah. And this is what happened in, for him. So, like I say, I don't focus as much on that touchdown. No. As I do the referees keeping that momentum going for L.A. Yep. And then the Bengals falling apart after their lead in the drive, and it was like, it appeared to me that Joe Burrow was the only person that realized, hey, we have to run no huddle. Uh-huh. Because there was no sense of urgency yeah. when they got that second down. No. That you need to go. You don't they, they have were, time. Yeah, and, and maybe the offensive outside of Burrow were expecting the head coach to call a timeout. You know, that's why they were kind of going, you know, just you know skipping rope down the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. You know, because it just astounded me that with that little time left and you're all the scenario going into it, that they're just kind of like kind of lackadaisical going down the field. And we're all sitting there like, yo, you got to hurry. Yeah. It just shows uh, who's been there and who hasn't. And for L.A., I mean, they're used to getting to the playoffs. Yeah. And for Matthew Stafford, listen, I'm happy for him. For going through and doing what he did in Detroit, I yeah. thought he it's a well-deserved ring. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer as this debate has come up? Yeah. No. No. No, absolutely no. not. It Sorry. helps, but it doesn't get him in there for me. It, it, it can help, but listen, if you're going to give quarterbacks who win a Super Bowl a uh, place in the Hall of Fame, there's a couple one and dones that can be in that list. Yeah. It doesn't make you great. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a good he, player. He's good, but would I put him in the pantheon of, like, elite quarterbacks of all time? Nah. No, I mean, he, he can play elite at times. Yeah. It, but granted, well, that depends on who's around him. Right. And we've seen that 13 years in Detroit didn't have a lot to work with. Yeah. He now had this season plenty to work with, and now you saw that happen. But now looking to the offseason for both teams, yeah. 
Well, LA is going to be a whole different team next year. They got a lot. They got a lot of uh, free agents. So yeah, that's not going to be this. They're not going to do like Tampa Bay did uh, this season and return all starters on offense and defense. There's just no way. No, I think they're going to have a, a few retirements. I think Aaron Donald's done. I think so too. Yeah, and I, I don't blame him either. You know, like he's done everything. You you went on a high note. Why come back? Yeah, well, especially and that, and that, if your team's not going to be that competitive. And that other guy on defense, you know, I forget his name that they were talking about. That like because Brady retired, he's now the oldest player in the NFL. I think he's done too. You know. He's got his ring. Yeah, absolutely. Like once you get a ring, it's tough for millionaires to stay motivated. Yeah. Like yeah. it is. It just oh, it is. It is the case. Well, so, it, it's the motivation to come back and repeat it again and follow through and, and just do it again, which is part of the reason why you know the Yogi Bears and the Tom Brady's and the Michael Jordans are that great because they did it not once but multiple times. Right. I mean, that's the thing to be, to have that success and have that drive. It's very tough to do, especially in in the NFL, which is the most salary cap ridden sport of all but i love it that everybody has that parody yeah you can see teams like the bengals come out of nowhere if they're smart with their draft and they do good free agent signings yeah the bengals will probably be back oh before Bur- the end of burrow's career absolutely yeah i mean yeah. i could definitely yeah. see make another yeah. playoff run i mean yeah. they played over their heads a little bit but they showed they could be here and this is i will not, i don't want to say a good loss but this is where you can see the inexperience for some of these players they won't be doing this the next time around. No, it's it's good motivation, and it's a good learning experience for them going forward. Yes, yeah, so you'll definitely have to see what they're going to wind up doing next season. Yeah. But the 2021-22 season of the NFL is officially at a close. Yeah, and if anyone's wondering why I put Yogi Bear in that list of great athletes, dude's got 10 rings. He's got one for each finger on his hand. Yeah, if you, win, if you win rings, we can talk about that. And definitely L.A. did, so we can definitely talk about that off after the podcast. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Super Bowl 56? Do you agree with our comments about the refereeing in the fourth quarter? Do you agree what we said about the Cincinnati Bengals? Do you agree about the commercials? We'll even talk about that. We've got a lot to say about those two as well. Hashtag ODPHpod. Let's make it happen. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you love movies? I certainly do. Hi, Chris Roberts here, inviting you to listen to I Saw It on Linden Street our weekly podcast dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. Join us for an informative deep dive into a film that we feel needs to be recognized, with background thrown in on actors, directors, and hey, if I'm doing my job right, you'll get a funny story out of me. So join us here at I Saw It on Linden Street and listen today. Remember folks, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy. Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH podcast. And let us recap the events falling out from UFC 271 this past weekend. Whoa, baby. There is a lot to discuss. uh, Some hype that really we have to sort through. Yeah. Some contenders might have been made. Uh Uh-huh. And the main event that some people are calling a little polarizing. Mm, maybe. Ah, we have to discuss this. So, Pat, let's break this card down, shall we? Yeah, so we're going to talk about the three fights we mentioned on last week's show. That being the So the first being the middleweight matchup between Jared Kenyonier and Derek Brunson. Uh, and you had uh, Jared emerge victorious, defeating Derek Brunson via knockout, uh, specifically elbows, at 4 minutes and 29 seconds in the second round. Kenyonier is no joke. I think he's got to be the next guy for Adesanya. Would you say yes? Uh, yeah, I would say so. And I even think Adesanya went as far to say, I don't remember if it was 
post fight, like in the press conference post fight or the next day. But he, I remember seeing that he did say that like Canyonier should be the next one up for a title shot. Well, it makes the most sense because if you take a look at what Adesanya has done in his division, the contenders are getting few and far between. But take nothing away from Canyonier. Came in there with Derek Brunson, definitely fought a solid fight. Yeah. Numbers three versus four. Yeah. You can't really sit there and say that he's not worthy of the title shot. Well, and, and just looking at UFC.com slash rankings, uh, Kanye is now the second-ranked fighter uh, in the middleweight division behind only Robert Whitaker, which I would imagine that'll change here in the next couple of days because, uh, as we'll talk about later in the main event, he did lose to Israel Adesanya. Yes. So if they want to pair this together, I think that's perfectly fine to yeah. do. I, I don't struggle with this at all. I think that that's a fight that he's definitely earned, and especially now – Coming off the heels of a very impressive stoppage of Brunson, yeah, you gotta let him go and make that happen. So, and as I can tell uh, from his Wikipedia page, has not fought Adesanya yet. Yes, so definitely be a new contender for Adesanya. So definitely have to see how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, next up was the heavyweight division matchup between Derek the Beast Lewis and uh, Tai Tuivasa, who loves to do a shoey. Uh, and you had Tuyavasa emerge victorious, knocking out Derek Lewis uh, in one minute and 40 seconds in the second round with an elbow. See, this is wild to me because obviously we are big fans of Derek Lewis. Yeah, we are. But Tuyavasa yep. surprised everybody, uh-huh. especially with that short elbow he threw on him oh. and just knocked him out. I mean, Derek Lewis is getting at that point where I'm not saying the chin is gone. I'm not saying... He's done, but let's face it, he's kind of in that weird influx of, like, where do I go from here? Yeah, uh, currently 37 years old, uh, just turned 37 uh, last week, uh, you know, and then also has 36 professional matches under his belt, stretching back all the way to April 9th of 2010, being his first professional one. Right. We say professional because amateur is not listed on, he's probably got some before 2010. Sure, but at this stage, where where does he go from here? And that's going to be the question we're all going to have to ask. Tuivasa is going to shoot up the rankings. Uh, currently, he is, uh, again, UFC.com slash rankings. Uh, he jumped, holy shit, hold on. Uh, jumped up eight spots in the heavyweight rankings. So Francis Ngannou is the current champion. Cyril Gan is uh, number one ranked fighter. Number two is uh, Stipe Miocic. Three is Tuivasa. So he jumped up from the 11th spot. Whoa, shit. Chael Sonnen called that, too, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Good on Chael. And I will say this. He's definitely one of the more marketable fighters right now. I would say so, if for no other reason than Chewies. Yeah, exactly. Like, he is a personality in the sport. And like I say, he might not be the most technical guy that's fighting, but he'll go in there, he will entertain, he will go and either get knocked out or, or knock somebody out. Yeah. You know what you're getting when you watch Tuyavasa fight, and especially the whole Shuey thing is like now taking on a life of its own. Dana took a Shuey too as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Well, and he's only 28 years old. He turns 29 in uh, mid-March. So assuming nothing goes wrong, he's got a good he's got a good few years ahead of him in the fight game. Oh, absolutely. So I don't necessarily know if I'd be talking title shot with him anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I, I think to make that jump, obviously beating Derek Lewis is a big feather in your cap. Yeah. But I definitely am not talking title shot with him just yet. I would like to see him face somebody in that five, six, seven range. Sure. On the rankings. Because uh, granted, like he did shoot up, and rightfully so. You beat Derek Lewis, who's always in the top five. But 
to stay there, you need to fight somebody that's in that echelon right there. Sure. If he can pull off another win, you can make an argument for a title shot. You, you could, because he's one of these fighters that is going to have a lot of momentum behind him. And I think the next fight we see him in, depending on who it's going to be, you're going to see him in the co-main. Oh, absolutely. After this performance, yeah. Yeah, I mean, or unless they want to do a fight night and he is yeah, the I main. Can see, I can see that. Like, this is how much he shoots up, and this is how much that he has grown in popularity in the UFC. That for a lot of people, they were just thinking, okay, well, he was in the co-main here. Yeah, he's a fly, flash in the pan. Yeah. Well, this was more due to Derek Lewis being in his hometown of Houston. Yeah. This was not really on, yeah. on, on Ty, which I'm not saying anything bad about him, but I'm just trying to illustrate the point that he is now on this level because he has made himself into a character, not the same way of like Colby Covington, but people are seeing his real personality, yeah, yeah, the yeah. real Ty. And he's connecting with everybody. Like he's being that. he's being super personable. He's not being like an oh holier than thou. I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Kneel before me, heathens. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's just a simple guy fighting, pouring beer into a shoe and chugging it. Yeah, like he is connecting with that fan base, and for the UFC that is in desperate need of stars. Uh huh. Especially when you raise the prices of your pay per views. Yeah. This is a guy that you definitely want to get behind and back. Oh, and I can absolutely get behind this guy. Listen, I think doing a shoey is fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's it's gross. Like, ew, no, thank you. For me, no. But I fucking love it when he does it. Oh, yeah, he gets wild in that crowd and eats it up. I mean, that's something that you want to, you want to pay to see. So I understand the, the boost in rankings. I'm just saying, before we start talking title shot, because I was hearing a few people do that, pump the brakes. Let's get him some other competition in that five, six, seven range. Even right, you know, and I was bouncing back and forth between his uh, mixed martial arts record and, and like who he's fought, and then the rankings on UFC.com. I don't think he's fought anybody in that five, six, you know, three, four, five, six, seven range. Yeah, uh, outside of obviously Derek Lewis, but hey, right. But uh, I would like say, give me the fighters between five, six, and seven. So you've got a uh, four is Curtis Blades, mm-hmm. uh, five is the aforementioned Derek Lewis. Uh, six is Alexander Volkov. Uh, seven is Rosenstruck. Uh, eight is a gentleman named Chris Dukakis. Uh, nine is uh, Marcin Tybura. And then ten is Shamil Abdurakhmenov. Uh, so A-B-D-U-R-A-K-H-I-M-O-E. Those are your four through ten. I'll tell you right now, Rosenstruck. Yeah, that, I'm all right with that. That's who I do because Blades and Dukakis are um, fighting on uh, March. Okay, they just made that fight. So, okay. so I would say put him against Rosenstruck and see what happens. Or maybe Volkov if Rosenstruck doesn't feel like doing it. Yeah, I mean I could see him against Volkov too. I'm not sure. I think Volkov has a fight lined up. Oh, so I'm maybe, but I'm not sure. But either one of those two, I think, is a perfect opponent for him. Really showcases skills because that way, if he beats one of those two. And then you want to start talking about putting him against maybe like a serial gun, maybe yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of in that kind of discussion. After that, I could understand it, but I think for all this talk, they're like, "Oh, gotta give him a title shot, gotta put him against Francis Ngannou or John, John Jones." Like, Stop. listen, I like to, I like to Avasa, I really do, but I, I, I can't co-sign on that right now. I really can't. But Tuivasa is definitely the name to be watching right now. Oh, yeah. And I tell you what, if he keeps this momentum up, man, I could see him getting a title shot by the end of the year. I really can. But speaking of title shots, 
Let's break down that main event. Yeah, so that was for the middleweight uh, division championship where Israel Adesanya was defending his belt against Robert Whitaker. Uh, and you had Adesanya retain uh, said championship by unanimous decision, uh, specifically 48-47, 48-47, and 49-46. So this is an interesting fight. Definitely was causing a lot of buzz over the weekend. Yeah. Because there is a big contingent that thinks Whitaker got robbed. Really? Yeah. It's a weird thing on social media, especially like Twitter. I've been watching the reactions. Yeah. There is a lot of people that thought he won. I would beg to differ on that, but hey, that's just me. Right, which I'm like, I can make this argument in his case if you want to say this. Sure. Adesanya did something which I'm not going to say... It's exactly the same. But he did something that kind of reminded me a little bit about George St. Pierre's Lamprey style. <laughs> the much beloved Lamprey style. Right. Which is when you're the champion, yeah. the judges have a tendency to side with you unless your opponent really does something to uh-huh. win a round. Champion's advantage, we'll call it. Yes, definitely will. First round was out of Sanya all day. Sure. Second round, you could argue Whitaker, but you need a good argument. But I thought what he did was he was punching and moving, like point and stop, point and stop. Right. He wasn't doing anything necessarily to go for the win, but he was doing enough to get the win. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because what I felt is he was in the fight and he was doing enough to really just get the decision at that stage because he was waiting on Whitaker to overexert himself. Sure. Much like how we've made the comparison before to Adesanya is the new Anderson Silva. I saw a lot of similarities in their fight in this one than I've seen in recent memory. Sure, sure. Adesanya was waiting on Whitaker to make a mistake and capitalize. Okay. He did enough to win the rounds, and I thought he definitely won two, three, and four. Okay. Whitaker won five outright. There was, There's no question about that. I could see the argument for two sure. going Whitaker's way because he was landing a lot of power shots. But did I feel that he won the round? Not really. So I know that the scorecards uh, get posted online. You just got to look for them. Uh, so I went to MMAJunkie.USAToday.com, and they had these official judges' scorecards. Uh, so Jacob uh, Montalvo and Doug Crosby uh, scored. Both of them scored the fight. Uh, the first three rounds for Adesanya, 10-9. And then the second, fourth and fifth rounds for Whitaker, 10-9. Uh, so then the other judge, Mike Beltran, Scored the first round for Adesanya 10-9, the second round for Whitaker 10-9, and then he scored the final third, fourth, and fifth rounds in the favor of Adesanya 10-9. Yeah, like I said, that second round is it's really debatable. And that's where everybody's really arguing about, too, that they said, well, the second round he did, fifth round, I mean, there's no question about that. Fifth round was Whitaker all day. But that second, third area is where people are really having that question about. Sure. Now, I I saw the fight. I didn't have it going that way, but I but I can see the argument that the more I'm reading online, but I I opt to go into this favor with it. Right. 
Remember when Adesanya was fighting before Paulo Costa? Uh-huh. Came out very patient. And like I say, he he's it looks like he reverted back to that style. Yeah. That he was waiting on Whitaker to make a mistake. And the one thing about Robert Whitaker is he's not going to make a mistake. Like, I always kind of refer to him as the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Because yeah. he will do enough, but he doesn't exactly give that perception he's winning, but he does good work in the ring. Well, and that goes against the one thing we always say with these fights is don't leave it up to the judges mm. because the judges 99.9% of the time will go in the favor of the champions. It's the champions advantage, you know, rare, few rare instances they've gone against the champions and given it to the challengers, you know? So if the fans online think Whitaker should have won it, listen, that's all fighting dandy. Don't let it get to the fucking judges scorecard, you know, and I'm looking again, looking at, uh, Adesanya's record on his Wikipedia page. Dude's never been knocked out. In fact, the only knockout I can find on anything attaining to his career hasn't has only happened. Uh, the most recent time was in his kickboxing uh, career, uh, where he got uh, knocked out with a left hook in 2017 uh, on Glory of Heroes Seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, he's got a record in kickboxing of 75 and five. Yeah, no, Adesanya is that good, but like I say, he fights very similar to Anderson Silva. Yeah. And I don't think that that was any more prevalent than it was in this fight. He was waiting on Whitaker to make a mistake a lot. And like I say, I know a lot of the online criticism is he did not was not aggressive enough. Yeah, uh, side note, I'm looking just at everything. So he's got his mixed martial arts record. Uh, it's got his professional kickboxing record here, uh, which is noted as incomplete. But then it's also got his professional boxing record. Uh, he's only got seven... What is that? Uh, one, five, six. It's, yeah, seven losses for his entire professional career. One of them's by knockout. The other ones are like either unanimous decision losses, or there's one instance in his uh, kickboxing career where it was an uh, or it was a extr decision split. It was a split decision. Mm-hmm. He's only been knocked out in his entire professional fighting career once. Yeah, I mean he's smart. I mean that's the one thing about it, Izzy. He knows what he's doing in that cage, and that's why I say for somebody to beat him, not name Jan Blachowicz, it's going to take somebody really special to come up there and yep. really pressure him. The question is going to be who. Could Kanye put something together and do that? I don't see it. I don't see it right now. I would kind of have to see a little more training when that fight gets made. Weirder shit's happened, but as of this recording right this second, no. No, I just I don't see it happening at this stage. But you're going to need somebody that's going to be willing to really give some pressure to Adesanya. Yeah. Especially wrestling-wise. There was a fighter that made some noise over the weekend after seeing this fight. Oh. And immediately said, one round, done. Chimeyev. Oh, fuck. Uh, Yeah. Chimeyev, I will just paraphrase, he said one round done. He he, he put yeah. something on social media and, yeah. and basically said, like, wrestling, one round done. Uh, as of right now, I'd probably go, th- if I'm playing poker, I'm putting three quarters of my chips in that pot. Yeah. No, I'd say probably. I think Chimeyev's got the best shot doing it. But, yeah. But because the one thing about it, he brings a lot of pressure, and that's the one thing that I don't think Adesanya is getting a lot of in this case. No. Because like you saw with Paulo Costa and, and whatever excuse he's using, I don't I don't care. He tried pressuring Adesanya, caught him. Whitaker played a smart fight. Do I think they're going to run it back a third time? Probably not. I'm going to say at some point, because here's the problem that you have. 
when you're that dominant of a champion, you're either going to have to move up a weight class yeah, or just start recycling fighters you've already fought. Like, it's a weird thing. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's the Mighty Mouse. Uh, yeah. But it's the situation that Adesanya is going to be looking at. Yeah. But the question is, did Whitaker lose this one? Like, I don't think it's one that this harkens uh, an immediate rematch. I just no. I, I don't see that. No. I, there's nothing about this that really screams at. But what I do think is if he puts together a couple fights and if Adesanya starts going through the top ten again, I think you're going to see this one get ran back. And I think that for Whitaker, he's definitely going to have to do something to really go in there and do some damage and really kind of figure out the puzzle that is Adesanya because I think that he was trying to, but Izzy is just very smart and laid back and sure. you know was waiting on that to counter, which, I like I said, it, it fired up a lot of fighters. Uh, Michael Chandler's Twitter oh, yeah? definitely had a lot to say. In fact, I'll even quote because I'm reading it right now. Uh-oh. Quote, trust me, I love Izzy, but we have gotten to a point where a dominant champion just needs to stand there, throw a, a sh- couple shots per round, and he will not lose unless he gets caught. And he will always get the nod. Izzy got paid on his last contract. Go fight. Don't you dare <laughs> spar. End quote. Get it. He's not wrong. Nope. He's not wrong. Izzy also got a very big money contract, too, uh, from the UFC, hey. so he's not going anywhere. So congratulations to him. But if you're going to be the champion, you're going to have to kind of you know have that kind of criticism. And... I thought he played a smart fight, but you know what you get coming out of him. Yeah. I mean, the same thing. It's like with Anderson Silva. When you're on that certain level of being an elite martial artist, you're not going to go in there swinging like a wild man. No. And trying to get a knockout. He was waiting on a mistake. It didn't happen. So now the question is, where do we go from here? Kanye is definitely lined up. I will say this. If Chimea wins his next fight. He's not He's not next up after Kanye. He's yeah. next. Dana will make that fight happen. I don't know when. I can't give you a timetable, but I guarantee you this. Chimea wins his next fight. It's it's a wrap. Yep. You're going to have that title shot. He will get pushed to the top of the line. The only other chance he might have of not getting that fight is if Kamaru Usman comes up there. But Usman just got hand surgery. Right. He's going to be out a little He's going to be out for a while. So I can't say that you're going to see Usman move up to fight Adesanya. No, not for the foreseeable future. No. So I think it's Chimeyev or Bust, and I tell you what, I'm definitely excited about that fight. Oh, hell yeah. But there was, a, like I said, a lot of great fights coming out of UFC 271. The prelims were on point, too, like the early prelims. The regular ones were kind of eh, so-so. Sure. But the early prelims, if you get a chance to watch those, those were fun fights. But a lot of headlines coming out of UFC 271, so hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What was your takeaways from the UFC's big pay-per-view night? We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. Check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com 
Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Wrestling! So this weekend, Uh the WWE is having their last pay-per-view, or I'm sorry, premium event. Yes. Before the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. On the cock. Yep, on the Peacock Network. So this weekend from Saudi Arabia is going to be the Elimination Chamber. Starting at like noon Eastern, I think. Something weird. Yeah, so this is one that whenever they go over to Saudi Arabia, it's always kind of like a glorified house show. But this is going to actually have a pay-per-view that's going to have some meaning to it. Yeah. So we're definitely going to be talking about the matches, give a quick preview of it. So, Pat, let's talk about it, shall we? Uh, Yeah, so the first matchup we're going to talk about is a singles matchup where you have Rey Mysterio along with with Dominic Mysterio taking on The Miz, who will have Maurice there at ringside. Yeah, this seems like this just got thrown together. Yeah, it's it's just a filler to fill out some time. Yeah, so I will say unless they have Dominic go heel here, uh, Miz all day. Yeah, probably. I'm going to say Miz as well. Uh, next up is a tag team matchup uh, with Ronda Rousey and Naomi taking on Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. Okay, so let's break this one down, shall we? It's real weird. Yeah, Ronda came back, is supposed to be the face uh, in this feud with Charlotte, yes. who yes. she's made her decision. Listen, I'm okay with it. I don't, I'm not super excited about the match, but I get it. So they're also now kind of tying in one of the better storylines in WWE. And that is Naomi and Sonya Deville. If you haven't been watching SmackDown, they're doing this angle where Sonya Deville is just trying to make Naomi's life miserable for some reason because she's yeah, the GM. Yeah. And Naomi is just now finally getting the upper hand. And I, this has been one of their better, like I said, one of their better storylines in recent memory. I had a good match on Friday. Yeah, they definitely did. And, of course, with Sonya Deville now getting some heat from Vince McMahon for his, her abuse of power, <laughs> I really am interested of how this is all going to play out. Yeah. So for this match, Pad, who you got? Uh, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say disqualification uh, on the part of Sonya. Okay. I I don't think we're going to get like, you know, it'll go the way of that. I don't think we're going to get a clean pin just because there's between Ronda and Charlotte and then Naomi and Sonya. There's just one too many combustible pieces in this ring for it to have a clean finish. See, I'll disagree with them on this point. I think that you are going to have a clean finish. I think Ronda makes Sonya tap out. Okay. Because I think they're going to want to build some momentum for Ronda versus Charlotte. And then, plus, they can also do something with Naomi and, and Sonya at WrestleMania, too. Okay. Now, what, I don't know, but I hope they do get some time to do it. Yeah. Next up. Uh, next up is the uh, Women's Elimination Chamber match uh, with an opportunity to take on, at this point, Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Uh, and your entrants are Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Dewdrop, Nikki A.S.H., and Alexa Bliss is now the final entrant uh, to the Elimination Chamber. Uh, we should also note that they had a match on Monday night to determine, it was like a gauntlet match or whatever, to determine who would be the final entrant, you know, the last person into the Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. And Bianca Belair emerged victorious. So Bianca Belair will be entering the Elimination Chamber last. And you know what? I think she wins. Okay. I think that what they're going to wind up doing is... They're going to run back Bianca and Becky at WrestleMania. And I'm all right with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. I know Sasha is still dealing with her injuries, if I'm right. not mistaken. Right. Well, and I think she's also on SmackDown still. So 
Yeah. Right, but I'm sure that they they would do something because obviously Bianca and Sasha, yeah, you know they were definitely talking yeah. about doing the rematch there. Yeah. But this one makes a lot more sense because with Bianca getting the rematch against Becky, obviously it was thrown together the first time they fought each other at SummerSlam. A lot of fans, including me, not happy with how it ended, but I get why. Right. So this time around, I think that this is where Bianca finally gets that title shot at WrestleMania, and I you know what I'll have zero problem with this being a headlining match either. Yeah, definitely excited about that. Next up, though. Uh, is a false count anywhere match taking place between Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss. Pat, how are you feeling about Madcap? I don't really care. Like, oh, it's a good gimmick for him, and I'm happy for him. But in terms of like winning my viewership over and getting me over the moon and thinking about buying his merch, no. People like are very high on him in WWE. It's it's. Cr- I mean, nothing against him personally, but I just I don't see it as far as like the fan standpoint. I just don't. But I think that this is an easy feud for Drew because obviously the rumors of his neck injuries are still kind of lingering around. Yeah. So if you're going to see of like if he's really back, this is an easy match to do for him. Uh, so I'm going to say Drew is going to win outright, um, and this will be kind of a filler match again too. But, yeah. But any, are you going Drew too? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say Drew as well, uh, and I'm imagining the sword's going to get involved in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, next up, you've got uh, Roman Reigns taking on Goldberg for, in a singles matchup for the Universal Championship. How you feeling about this? Uh, I mean, is what is. I'm fully expecting Roman to win just to put another feather in the cap, another tick on the old uh, resume for legends that he's been great wrestlers or former great wrestlers that he's beaten. You know, I'm I'm. I'm about as excited for this as I was for Goldberg's match against Bobby Lashley at the last Saudi Arabia show, and I was semi-prolescently surprised with that last one because it was actually better than I thought it was going to be, but that was because the bar was so goddamn low. Uh, I'm not expecting much out of this in terms of, you know, insane moments or this. There'll be a moment where I go, oh my goodness, that was crazy, but it's it's just a match to get Roman over there for the crowd. I have no care about this match. I really have zero interest. I can't stress this enough. I understand why Goldberg is back. Yeah. He got a big payday. Contractually obligated. Yep, and he does this when, you know, you offer him a lot of money. And listen, I'm not mad about him coming back. Yeah. I and I understand they want a filler match for Roman, so this is going to be a filler one, hands down. Not excited, to say the least. If he wins this, I'll be very, very... uh Yeah. Weary, I think yeah. would be the nice word to yeah. say for WrestleMania. Yeah. To put it mildly. Yeah. Next up. Uh, is a tag team matchup for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships where you have the Usos defending their belts against the Viking Raiders in Eric and Ivar. Okay, this will be a fun match. I had no idea they were even doing this match. Great job on the buildup, guys. Yeah, they did something quick on SmackDown from what I heard this past week. But I'm not super amped about this i think this is gonna be just another filler till we get to mania yeah that's the one downside about doing a a show like this is you have some matches but you know it's not going to lead to mania yeah there's a few that definitely are going to have very big impacts like i said the the rousey match i think is that one sure obviously the elimination chamber match itself is going to have a big impact but everything else is just kind of like I don't want to say going through the motions, but it is. But it's filler. It's filler. So I can't get that excited about that. I would care about it slightly more if it was like, you know, 
the the Viking Raiders and insert other tag team on SmackDown and like oh winner get you know much like the women's elimination chamber match where it's like oh hey the winner gets you know the Raw women's champ at Mania yeah I'd be all right with, and I'd have slightly more interest in this match if it was you know like I said Viking Raiders versus insert other SmackDown tag team you know for a chance at the SmackDown tag team championships at Mania yeah I care slightly more but this yeah no yeah this isn't doing anything for me. Uh, next up is for the Raw Women's Championship, and you've got Becky Lynch taking on Lita. See, this is a very interesting match. Yeah. And my theory was kind of thrown out that I mentioned on 607 TWS because I said if Lita wins here, uh-huh. the mystery opponent was going to be Trish Stratus, oh. and they would have done Lita versus Trish on the big stage, Yo. which that would I have no problem with. Give me that one. Yep. Lita's been training with Dark Sheik, so that's awesome, too. If you haven't seen her in GCW, she's fantastic amongst other indie feds. So this match is going to be interesting for me. I think sure. this is, I think this is all Becky all day. Yeah. Because I think that with Bianca, like I said, my prediction is they're going to face each other at Mania. This will still be a good match. I just don't see Lita pulling off the title, but if they really no. want to throw a curveball and everything, I mean, that'd be one way to do it. I mean, giving Lita the belt would be a hell of a curveball, just seeing as all signs seem to point to uh, Becky versus Bianca at Mania. You know, and if they do decide to give that curveball, hey, I haven't had a good curveball from WWE in a while. I'm all right with that. But no, I, I don't see Becky losing this. You know, it'll be a good match, and they'll put on a hell of a show for the crowd over there and for those watching at home. But it's going to be Becky all day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then lastly is the men's elimination chamber match, and this is taking place for the WWE Championship, where you've got Bobby Lashley defending against Brock Lesnar, Seth freaking Rollins, Austin Theory, Riddle, and AJ Styles. Do we honestly think it's going to be anybody but Brock? No. See, that's one. I I give Seth a fighting chance, and I'm going to say I think it'll be Brock and Seth as, like, the final two. I I think Lashley will be the – so I think it'll be Brock and Seth as the final two. I think Lashley will be the third one left, you know, if we're talking – Listen, pray for Austin Theory. If you saw what happened to him on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, he's going to get fucked up. He's going to get suplexed through a goddamn pod, and it's going to be insane. Yeah. You know, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Brock and Seth uh, as the final two, and I think it's going to ultimately end up being Brock because all signs point to because The Rock is not available for WrestleMania because he's filming movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's ultimately going to be Brock winning because he is he did win the Royal Rumble, so it's going to be Roman versus Brock, title for title. I agree, too. I think that you might see Seth Rollins get thrown in that mix, too. Like, something will happen here that will be Brock and Seth at the end. Maybe. And, like, maybe a referee gets stopped for some reason or, you know, like, there'll be some kind of shenanigans. Brock is winning this, though. We're going to go for title unification. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out when it's all said and done. Yeah. But that's why I feel it's going to happen with this one. So definitely have to kind of see the highlights or watch the show live when it happens this weekend. And definitely have your opinions and hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, to talk about Elimination Chamber. But there is some more wrestling news that just broke as we were about to record. Yeah. We can't ignore. No. So, Pad, why don't we break this down, shall we? Yeah, so I guess to start this, we got to do a little bit of rewind, you know, and, and go back to uh, January 17th, where it was tweeted out at 1127 in the morning by Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com, where he said, quote, Cody Rhodes is a free agent. Working without an AEW contract, Fightful Select has learned. Here's, he's the current TNT champion. Uh, full story is up for subscribers of FightfulSelect.com. Uh, and then he proceeded to uh, post a link to his Patreon. 
So at the time, it was very shocking and very surprising because here is one of the founders of AEW, one of the executive vice presidents of AEW, you know, arguably one of, if not the face of the entire company. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, he's working without a contract, you know, and time went on and we didn't hear one thing or the other. And you would have figured that at some point along the line, you know, if he would have resigned, they would have said something or he would have come out and cut a promo. Sure. Saying, I'm not going nowhere. I'm AEW for life. You know, throw up a two sweet time. Whatever the fuck he wanted do fast forward to uh this morning uh it was posted to the official aew twitter account uh at 1004 in the morning uh where it reads in quote where they posted saying thank you cody and brandy Rhodes," with a link uh from uh, or excuse me with a photo of a statement from tony khan uh saying quote cody and brandy Rhodes were integral to the launch of all elite wrestling Cody's ability combined with his boldness and his passion for our industry and his love for community outreach helped AEW deliver on our mission to give fans what they needed for far too long. Something new, innovative, and lasting. Brandy helped us shape the AEW story and I appreciate how hard she fought for us both in the ring and out of the ring, competing in the women's division while advancing our efforts at inclusion and civic causes, including our great partnerships with Culture City and the American Heart Association. I have immense respect and appreciation for Cody and Brandy, and I wish them both the best as they move on from AEW. Thank you, Cody and Brandy. Signed, Tony Khan, CEO, President, General Manager, and Head of Creative, All Elite Wrestling. That then led to a very long uh, post from Cody Rhodes on all of his social media accounts, Uh, You know, I'll just read a little bit of it. Uh, He said, quote, I have loved my time at AEW. Amazing locker room, amazing fans, amazing people. The quote unquote revolution was indeed televised. And I've been incredibly lucky to be a part of that. Uh, And that's kind of all I'll read because it's seriously. Yeah, it's long. It's a long paragraph. Yeah, you can go to any of his social media and read it for yourself. Uh, Brandy Rhodes also took to Twitter uh, and I'll read a bit of that. She said, thank you. And I went on to post. Uh, in a photo statement, uh, a heartfelt thank you to every fan that has supported me in AEW. It was an honor to be the company's first chief brand officer. The thank you list is long, so I'll try not to wander. And, you know, she went on to thank, you know, the, the, the Culture City, Special Olympics, Illinois, American Heart Association, you know, and then just a whole bunch of folks on screen and off screen, you know, mentioning Dustin, QT, Jerry Lynn, Leva Bates, you know, for their, their ounce, every ounce of energy, help and encouragement. You know, she did add a quote uh, from an unknown source. You know, uh, we must take our t- make must take time to define our own path. Too quickly and uh, too quickly we can find the world defining it for us. Close quote. And then also a quote from Michael Scott in the office: uh, "I'll see you on the flippity flop." Close quote. Hmm. Well, your initial reaction to this? Uh, surprised. Uh, but also not surprised uh, because as Sean Ross Sapp mentioned, you know, and as was reported back in mid January, um, Cody was working on a handshake agreement with AEW that, you know, he, his contract had expired either December 31st or January 1st. And, and to me, it was like a near certainty, near lock that he would go back to AEW Mm -hmm. founded it. He's got a lot of creative control in terms of, you know, where he is in the booking and all that, you know, more so than he would have in any other major federation, you know, plus the night, the great schedule they get, that's not very heavy, you know, plus he's got his 
television show, Roads to the Top, which mm-hmm. it's got its second season. You know, and he's also on that reality game show. Whatever, Go Big Show or Go, whatever. You know, yeah, whatever, the talent show or whatever the hell it yeah, is yeah. that he's on. So to me, it was a near, I'm like, okay, it's just, he, and, and at the time I know we speculated and I know you and Rich speculated on 607 TWS that, oh, it's just, you know, he's just busy and, and simply can't, you know, hasn't come to sign the contract and this and that. So I'm slightly surprised, but also not because the more time went on, the more suspect I thought it was Mm -hmm. that like, it's fine and okay for like a couple of, like a week or two to go by, you know, and not say anything and this, that, but we're six weeks since the end of his, you know, supposed end of his contract. And we haven't heard boo. And I, and I think at that point, by now we would have heard something, whether it be an official press release, something from Tony Khan on Twitter, something from Cody in a promo on television, but we haven't heard a thing. So I'm, I'm, I will say I'm surprised, but also not. I have a couple different thoughts about this. Okay. So let's kind of rewind a little bit. Cody Rhodes was one of the founders of AEW. Yes. One of the executive vice presidents. Uh, we know Brandy, like I said, chief branding officer, and everything was all, you know, when they debuted, it was all, we're leading the revolution. We're going to give you something different than WWE. And yet, there had been time and time again where we saw that WWE was living rent-free in his head. That this, uh-huh. was, this was, I mean, you can take a look at the sledgehammer moment to the throne. You can take a look at a bunch. Like, there's a whole timeline for this. Sure. Then you kind of start seeing this company grow. Yep. And what I mean by this, too, is... They start signing a lot of people. Uh Uh-huh. And one thing that we have been very critical here about, very critical on 607TWS, when you're signing this many people to contracts, and I understand that people can work in new dates, I get that whole point, but you're signing new people to shows. Uh Uh-huh. There's only so much time on a televised show that you can have for everybody. A televised show, which Dynamite is only two hours? Yes. And Rampage is only two hours. One hour. One hour, excuse me. So you've, you've got three hours on television. You've got Dark uh, on YouTube, I believe. Yeah, which that? has no time frame. It, which has no time frame, so that's as long as it needs to Same be. Same thing with Elevation. You know, in Elevation. So arguably, you've only really got maybe four hours a week, with, and that's not counting commercials for television so it's even less than four hours for this let's face it it's a very bloated roster it's a very bloated roster the one that cody has publicly said before you know the more the merrier to come there it's a paraphrase a little bit it's the monster he wanted it is the monster that took him out i think in yeah this. and you have to think about it like in this standpoint over the past nine months yeah AEW has signed a lot uh-huh. of big names to come into the company. Yeah. CM Punk. Yep. Brian Danielson. Adam yep. Cole. Bye-bye. Keith Lee, most recently. Yeah. Dan Housen. Dan Housen. So what is Cody is now realizing is the fan base that was all in and I'm with AEW has now switched their attention to some of the newer stars. Sure. And I think that there might be some... I don't want to say jealousy because I don't think that yeah. that's the right word, but I think that there's some very hurt feelings about how he thought he was going to be the most beloved guy on the roster. The, Maybe. you know, the John Cena, the, you know, the face that runs the place, so to speak. 
And you're seeing now that the fan base has now turned their attention to some of these new stars that have shown up in AEW. And Cody, this is my just my opinion. Sure, this. sure. That Cody might feel that, you know, the fans have definitely turned on him. And now it's, what else am I going to do in AEW? Right. Because we've known that since last year's uh, Anthony Agogo program. Right. There has been a distinct fan reaction to him. Right. And it hasn't been positive. The fans have wanted him to turn heel. Right. He wouldn't do it. Well, and I know. Allegedly. And I know people are either joking or not saying online, oh, this is why he's leaving. He just didn't want to turn heel. Stop. No. That's got got nothing to do with it. No, but what I think he's come to the realization is, okay, my contract ran out. I know that a lot of the other EVPs have resigned. I believe the Young Bucks have. Yep. No idea about Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, and take this for what it's worth, according to Dave Meltzer, Kenny Omega's deal is up in February of next year. Yeah. So you kind of have to sit there and go, okay, well, if everybody's resigning or getting their deals reworked, Cody was left hanging, so to speak. Maybe it's because the direction AEW is going in is not one that's a good fit for him right now, and the powers that be don't want to make that deal. I mean, that's a debatable question. But I think what happened is when Cody wasn't getting the treatment that he wanted and maybe the the deal wasn't up to what he thought he was worth, Yeah, he called Tony Khan on his bluff and said, I'm taking my ball and go somewhere else. The question is, is this really happening or is it not? Well, in terms of the, the whole contract thing, uh, again, take it for what it's worth, from uh, Dave Meltzer on Twitter, uh, this morning after the news broke, he did tweet, uh, quote, the Cody-Brandy split with AEW happened yesterday. The two sides didn't come to terms on a new deal after six weeks. There's a lot more to read into this. In our show last night, we talked about the different issues, but he legally, uh, but he could legally be on WWE TV at any time. Close quote. So yeah, there is no no compete clause. There is he, his contract had expired. You know, so he hell he if he really wanted to and he worked out a deal with Vince, he could show up on NXT tonight if he really wanted to. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, but hey, you never know. You know, and I did uh, find a clip, a couple clips on YouTube of what Dave Meltzer was talking about. And, and it's basically just, you know, he didn't really go into a whole lot of detail. He was kind of pontificating and basically saying that, like, hey, listen, the deal was up December 31st or January 1st. Mm-hmm. It's been six weeks. We really haven't heard anything. You know, it's it's been a case of he seemed like a certainty then. But as more time has gone on, it's less so you know, less so now. So is it possible? Is it possible he goes WWE at this point? Sure, anything is possible in pro wrestling. I'm fully convinced about that. Yeah, and uh, Dave also went on to say on Twitter, uh, "quote Yesterday on the Cody situation, the lawyers were involved and they agreed to part ways." As we talked about on last night's show, there are a ton of repercussions on this story. Uh, somebody also uh, tweeted to Dave and said, "Hey Dave, in your opinion, do you think uh, appropriating money to expand the AEW roster instead of locking in Cody and Brandy Rhodes was the best move for TK and AEW?" Do you think all parties will benefit from this? Uh, Dave said, quote tweeted it and said, it is a sign they are sticking to a budget which has, which was clear in other negotiations. It's true, I think. I think there might be some sense to that. Yeah. I, that I think that AEW has a different vision of what they want to do. Could be. And I think you're, you're now seeing that. And for what Cody wanted to do or thought this promotion was going to be is not the right fit for him and vice versa. And I think that if he does leave... This is very telling. Yeah, and I and I think there's a very distinct possibility because you look at 
just what the roster is in terms of, of bodies. Mm-hmm. It's very large and and very bloated from where it was however many years ago when AEW started. You know, so TV time, even for EVPs, is not guaranteed. Yeah. You know, if you've got a storyline for a, uh, a match that's going to take place on your next pay-per-view... Sorry, Cody, your your storyline is for a, pay, a match that's not going to take place till the next pay-per-view. You're getting bumped off the card tonight. Like, that is a very distinct possibility, you know, and, and I think money might play into it just because, you know, he, listen, you only got so long in this industry. Get your money while you can. Oh, absolutely. Get your money while you can. And we know that the CM Punk deal, we don't know numbers on the detail, numbers on the deal, but we you have to imagine the CM Punk deal is fucking huge. Yeah, he got paid. You know, from, <laughs> he, he got paid. From what I've read, the Adam Cole contract, and again, Baby. haven't read numbers, but the Adam Cole is way, Baby. quote, way, 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 way more than what he would have gotten in WWE. And then the Brian, Dan- the Brian Danielson contract, uh, contract is pretty much what it was or competitive to what it was before. So that's got to be in the seven figures, you know, so it's got to be a case of, and and if rich, if you've listened to 607 TWS, you know, if what rich has said in the past that they're nine figures in the hole, mm-hmm. there's only so much money to go around and billionaires can't fix everything. Case in point, look at the Jaguars facts. I mean, that's the one thing you have to look at that. If this is really the deal, AEW is going in a different direction, and especially without Cody. And to see him show up on WWE TV after everything would be wild. Well, I and I and I know some people are thinking it's a work. And listen, it, it, until we know, it very well could be. But I don't think it is because you've got Amanda Huber, you know Brody Lee's uh, widow. widow, tweeting quote tweeting Cody's tweet and saying words will never ever be able to express my gratitude for Cody, his friendship. Guidance and compassion have influenced the past 14 months of my life more than anyone else. I'm lucky to call him my Hufflepuff ride or die forever friend. Here's to the future. And then the little wine, your champagne glass toasting emoji. His brother, Dustin tweeted. I love my brother. Hashtag Cody Rhodes. I love my sister-in-law at the Brandy Rhodes. Whatever they decide to do in life. I support 110%. I am sad that they are gone, but the fucking train keeps moving. Blue heart emoji, red heart emoji, hashtag LFG. Listen, I I understand some people are saying it's a work and that it's for storyline purposes and this and that's all fine, but there's no way you work over and say what you will about him. Dave Meltzer, Sean Ross Sapp, Ariel Hawani, and then all the other folks. You know, there's no way you get. Brody Lee's widow involved in this story, your brother involved with the story. There's been other wrestlers commenting and, th- you know, mm-hmm. I know the young bucks have commented on uh, Cody's Instagram post. There's no way you get this many people involved for a work and, and to chime in. Cause we, uh, for those who don't know, Ken uh, coach myself and rich are in a group chat for talking wrestling. Rich said, quote, I, I really don't think this is a work. Uh, I mean, it could be, but there's two things working against it being a work. One, nobody puts out statements like this for a work. Two, AEW is incapable of this good store of storytelling. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I definitely see that point, too. I'm kind of like on the 50-50 side of things because I could see this. Sure. This might not be a work per se, but I still think that if Cody does resign... Oh, they're going to say it's a work. I, I think it could be. I don't think it's a work in that, oh, he's actually re-signed and, and they're just working the crowd. This I think it could be two things. I think he could legitimately be leaving if he hasn't left already. Mm-hmm. 
or it's a situation similar to a Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, where their contract, where Brock's contract ran out the last time. And he was seriously considering going back to UFC and doing another run in the UFC or when Randy's contract was up and, and AEW kept getting brought up behind the scenes. I, I, I really think it's either a, a negotiation tactic where he's just trying to get the most money out of TK he can, because let's face it. If he does go back to WWE, he will be getting a fleet of Brinks trucks backed up to his house to bring him in. Because for Vince and WWE, that will be the ultimate steal. You look at the way things have been going the last nine months to a year plus, however it is, for all the shit they've been getting and all the bad looks. And let's face it, they are bad looks. Yeah. For all that, you know, for making a billion dollars last year and $190 million in profits, allegedly for last year. You know, for all the talent leaving... And, and all the guys jump and ship to go to AEW, you know, out of grievances and only to be in the same position they were when they left AEW. Hi, I'm looking at you, Miro. Mm-hmm. You know, for them to get away, not, you know, you always had to figure there was going to be somebody to go from AEW to WWE. It was just a question of who. Yeah. I don't think anybody ever figured it would be Cody. So for them to, you know, quote, sw- swipe or steal, not only an executive vice president of the company, but a, a founder is fucking huge. Oh, yeah, it would be huge. Like, absolutely, if, if that is the case. I only say, like, I kind of say it's, it's 50-50. Like, my initial gut reaction was it a work because I just think that it was him saying, okay, how much do I really mean to this company? Sure, and at first I thought it might have been too, but then you had the Dave Meltzers. And yeah, the Sean, more... Deshaun Ross, Ariel Hill. Like, okay, Dave and Sean drink the AEW Kool-Aid about as much as anybody else mm-hmm. these days. Let's Let's read between the lines but, sure. what, but once Helani started posting stuff about it and some of the other folks of course a boxing reporter from espn started saying stuff and i'm like all right this has got some legs to it there's something to this well i think that it's just them going over the top about doing the press releases and all that jazz i mean sure. well they weren't press releases let's be honest because sure we, we are press we didn't get anything but i digress this is one of the situations that if it's true and I would say right now as we're recording, because now I've had some time to really sit down and read everything and, sure. and kind of do some homework. I'm going to say it's about 65-35. Sure. That it's it's legit. I, I really i have kind of swayed my vote. Like, I still kind of think that it was Cody kind of putting it out there, too, and saying, all right, how much am I worth to you? Sure. But I think the fact that they've responded with the letter of, like, thanks for the memories. Yeah. I think that that's a little more telling than not. And, and I know it would be surprising if he goes back to WWE, but hey, listen, time and a big fat paycheck will heal all wounds because oh, yeah. I, I think so, something must have gone on behind the scenes for him to not re-up, like almost immediately. The fact that you had the Bucks re-up, Kenny's deal is supposedly up in February of next year, but the fact that Cody, who was like a near certainty that would re-up to not re-up, something's gone on behind the scenes, I think, that has really hindered him from doing that. And you would have to imagine that if he were to go back to WWE, he wouldn't be, I know people are joking, he wouldn't do the Stardust gimmick again. No, he wouldn't. He'd he'd come back as Cody Rhodes. He'd come back as Cody Rhodes and he'd get pushed to the moon because I think it it would be Vince and company showing, hey, listen, you come over here, we're not going to bury you. We're going to push you. We're going to make you look real good. Just look at what we did with Cody Rhodes. It's going to help him in the in the long run. It's it's a, it's an interesting ploy that he could do. I just think that this is something that maybe in just looking at the product and seeing how the fans were reacting, sure, 
that I think that it came down to they wanted to do something different with his character and he didn't want to do it. Yeah, well, and, and I really think it could be he might be miffed that he's no longer one of the heads of creative. That's another one, too. You know, because that's part of the reason he left WWE was he didn't like what they were doing. And, he, and he's been on the record of some of the shit they wanted him to do with Stardust. It's, yeah. it's fucking awful. Go up and, and look up the interviews and some of the stuff he said. But for him to leave and, and go to a place where I've got creative control, I can do what I want with my character and have that taken away from him, and now your TV time's not guaranteed, you're in the same position you were before, my guy. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the situation if he does go there. See, what I think he should do if he's a free agent. Sure. Go work the indies like you did last time yeah. and make yourself a real hot name again. Because I think right now, your fan base that you're so desperate to have won over has turned on you because, let's face it, if you got creative control and this is what you presented, the Rhodeslander gimmick, yeah, it's not getting over. yeah, And that's one thing in wrestling. like If it's not working and you see the reaction you're getting when you're trying to be the, the John Cena of, of AEW and it's not working, you need to do something different because there's so many other main eventers now on your roster fighting for TV time is really telling, especially on that pro and from their programming, right? And what did you have to counter with? You were stuck in a program with Dan Lambert, who was absolutely destroying you and Brandy on the microphone, right? Ridiculously, to be saying that you're deserving the main event money. Like I understand what you did for the company, and you should. They should have kind of worked something out, sure. But if it didn't happen, it's business. I get it. And if this is a work, this will be one of the greatest works of all time I, if it's if it's legit. But like I say, I, the more the more that I'm reading now from our initial conversation we were sure. having in chat, yeah, I'm leaning in 65, 35. There's, there's no way it's worked just because to get – okay, I can get Tony and Brandy being in on it and, and putting out the official statement. But like I said, to get Brody Lee's widow involved, to get your brother involved, Jade Cargill's put out a statement. The British wrestler Joe Hendry's put a thing out. Uh, Baron Black, who's, uh, I guess, on AEW Dark, you know, he's put a thing out. One of their referees has put a thing out. QT Marshall's put a statement out about it. And that's without going to the Instagram pages and circ- uh, scrolling through, like, a thousand-plus comments oh, sure. to see there were other wrestlers on, on AEW that have commented. There's just way too many people commenting on this for them to be in on the joke and in on the work. Like, oh, hey, go and put something out. Like, we're going to do this whole, like, I just think there's way too much here. There probably is, and that's why I say, like, we're going to have to wait and see this week on on wrestling programming. Yeah. Like, do I think he's going to show up in Elimination Chamber? No. No. I think if, Highly doubt that. I think if he were to show up at anything WWE, it would be at, at the end of whatever night Roman's on, and it'd be to, uh, against Roman. I think you'll see – you might see something happen next week on WWE programming. Could be. I would say at the earliest. If not, like I said, the thing if I was him – I'd seriously work the indies. Oh, yeah. I thought that, too. Him at GCW would be very, very interesting. That did cross my mind as well. Yeah. I could definitely see. Because, I mean, like, let's face it. GCW is the hottest indie on the planet. Everybody's copying them right now. Why not try capturing some of that lightning in the bottle and, and run with it and make yourself that can't-miss name again? It's just a matter of, like, what have you done for me lately, and then do you really miss me? Like yeah. that's That's how this all boils down to. It's a wild story that we're just trying to grasp a hold of because this has been breaking since early this morning. To try figuring out what Cody's going to do next is going to be interesting. I think that how AEW has handled it is a really telling sign, too, Uh that I think that they're ready to move on from one of their founders. And what does that mean for the future of their company? 
That is going to be a storyline upon itself because if Cody does leave and he comes and appears on on WWE television, after all the reasons he left in the beginning, there's going to be one heck of a of promo that he's going to cut. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's a wrestling fan will tune in. And the online reaction is going to be extremely telling. If he does show up on WWE television, like I said, time and a big fat paycheck, he'll all loans. Oh, yeah. And I will need the world's largest bucket of popcorn. Oh, yeah, because trust me, wrestling Twitter. As somebody who has had to, I, like I said, I don't watch AEW. I tried, but a combination of just wasn't that interested in the online fans, the toxic ones, uh, kind of turned me off from it. If, if Cody, I will I'll also be up front and I'll say it. If Cody does end up going to WWE, and listen, I'm not wishing it one way or the other. If he does, cool. If he doesn't, okay. I really don't care. I really don't have, you know, a, a car in the race. If he does go WWE, though, you better bet your goddamn ass I'm going to be sitting there on all the threads on Reddit and all the posts on Twitter laughing hysterically. Oh, yeah, because you know what? That fan base, that'll be a real telling sign about the true temp in the room at AEW. There is a lot to digest from this. And like we said, this is breaking as we were recording. So we definitely want to have a more in-depth conversation with everybody online. Hashtag ODPHpod. Cody Rhodes. Is this real? Is this fake? Where does he wind up going next? What's the future of AEW? There's a lot of wrestling to discuss. So we definitely want to keep that conversation going. Make sure to check out the latest 607TWS as well because... This was pre-Cody leaving, yeah. but we had a lot to say about that as well. And fun fact, if you go to the AEW uh, website right now, because Cody Rhodes is no longer on the roster uh, on their website, guess who's right next to each other on the roster? CM Punk and Colt Cabana. Oh, that's weird, bedfellows. <laughs> that's that's a weird moment. <laughs> wrestling, folks. I love it. Wrestling. Definitely make sure to check out 607TWS for some wrestling coverage. Make sure to check out Blogs Count Anywhere. And obviously, make sure you stay in tune to ODPH social media because, trust me, we're going to be having a lot of thought about this coming up in the weeks to come. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? I uh, got to talk some Binghamton uh, Black Bears hockey. Uh, got to uh, remind you, uh, no one moving in the standings because they're off because of the Winter Olympics going on. Uh, and should note that they do return home to play the Delaware Thunder on Saturday, February 19th. Uh, game time is 7 o'clock p.m. to play the Delaware Thunder. Uh, so uh, more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, uh, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Very cool news to hear. And also keeping it local, we got to talk about Excite Wrestling. Oh, boy. So Johnny Moose decided to unveil the 10th anniversary card. Can you believe it's been 10 years of Excite? No, but hey, good for him. Seriously, nobody's doing it in the 607 quite like Team Moose and company. And they have a very, very solid card lined up for March 12th at the X. Uh, hashtag Excite spelled X-C-I-T-E, 10, yep. the number 10. Uh, so it looks like this is going to be the card setup. They have not said who's going to be the main event yet, but returning to Excite Wrestling is the one and only Tommy Dreamer. Ooh. He'll be taking on Colby Carino, so that's going to be a very, very cool match. 
Uh, Axel Lennox is going to get his title rematch against HC Loke. Okay. Sort of the world title. Uh, Mike Skyros is going to be taking on TJ Epics. Now, that's going to be a fun match for the international title. Uh, Matt Cross. Hey. Coming back to the X. All right. It's been a hot minute since we've seen him. Yeah. Taking on LSG. I think that's going to be the match of the night. I'm super amped up to see that one. Pat Sawyer against Dante Drago. And much more is getting announced. So... Here is the deal about that. Tickets are on sale now, ExciteWrestling.com. Get them fast. Yep. This card is going to sell out. Guarantee you this. In fact, Moose is actually doing hashtags. See, that's how serious this is about this. Uh Uh-oh. Moose is doing hashtags. Not me. Moose. A hashtag sell out the X. Doors are opening 4 p.m. Card starts at 5. I'm assuming there's going to be an after party going on locally, too. More than likely. And Moose has said they will be running on Twitch. They did the last show on Twitch. So you definitely want to make sure if you can't make it to the X that night, twitch.tv slash Excite Wrestling. I'm going to see Moose this weekend for his birthday party, so early happy birthday (laughs) announcements to him. Uh, And maybe we'll see about getting uh, some more information out of him. I know he keeps saying, like, every time I see him, he's like, buddy, I got to come back on the show. (laughs) I mean, he knows where we record. He knows where we do. So, I mean, Moose, ball is in your court, my friend. So anytime you want to come through, we will talk. About all things Excite. So yeah. I would say uh, sooner than later, probably, that will happen. Especially for the 10-year anniversary. I know he's got a lot to say. So, Pat, let's do the last rolls and get out of here, shall we? Yeah, i got to talk a little baseball because we did have an announcement uh, for a retirement from Major League Baseball. And for a long-time player, uh, Ryan Zimmerman announced his retirement from Major League Baseball wow. on Tuesday. Uh, this is after spending his entire career with the Washington Nationals. Good for uh, him. Yeah, so he issued a statement on his uh, Twitter regarding his retirement. Uh, you know, I won't read through the whole thing. It's a, it's a really nice piece, though. You should give it some time and read it. Uh, he was drafted uh, in the with the first pick in the 2005 draft, number four overall, uh, by the then Montreal uh, uh, Expos, which soon moved to Washington. Uh, he retires as the Washington Nationals uh, career leader in uh, games played with 1,799, runs scored with 963, hits with 1,846, total bases with 3,159, doubles with 417, home runs with 284, and RBIs with 1,061. Uh, he, of course, did help the Nationals. He was a two-time All-Star, did help the Nationals uh, to win the first World Series in franchise history in, back in 2019. Uh, you know, And he did, of course, have the uh, second-inning home run in Game 1 of the World Series against the Astros, or excuse me, Game 1 uh of, of the world yeah game one of the s for, mm. for a minute i thought the astros were still in the national league i got confused yeah. uh game one of the world series against the uh, then astros starting pitcher garrett cole so hey uh to you uh congratulations sir on a fantastic career and uh good luck in uh your uh, postseason career it's always cool to hear a player staying with the team in his entire career yeah so definitely kudos to him on his retirement future and yeah see, i kind of have to wait to see where it happens next yeah so, for mine, I got two bases. Okay. So, I'll do the very quick one first because, obviously, we talked a lot of wrestling. Still going to talk a lot of wrestling. Ring of Honor is having a Facebook Live session going on this weekend. Interesting. Or this week, rather. I'm sorry. So, Ian Riccoboni is going to be going live on the Ring of Honor Facebook page with the board of directors listening Ooh. and jumping in. So, Anything that you want to talk about Ring of Honor, whether it's the Hall of Fame induction, Supercar of Honor, I'm, I'm sure they're going to have a lot to discuss. They're going to be doing this Wednesday, February 16th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time 
on their Facebook page. So if you're a Ring of Honor fan, you definitely want to go check that out, especially they just announced Samoa Joe as the third inductee yep. to the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. So Ring of Honor is making some noise, folks. I know everybody's kind of wondering about what the future was going to be. Supercard of Honor is starting to shape up a little bit. And definitely going to be doing some more coverage about that on here in 607 TWS in the weeks to come. Is this where they're going to announce you as the owner and CEO of ROH Wrestling? Because, hey, uh, you are Ken Moneybags. Uh, no, because obviously everybody knows that I have a stake interest in Excite Wrestling, allegedly. Uh, allegedly. So uh, I, I don't want to branch out too much and cause competition. It's, you know, it's something we have in here. But my last base, and we have to address the elephant in the room, we haven't talked a lot of NBA lately. Yeah. Because obviously the Knicks are not doing so well. Your this coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, is currently working on his jump shot, so that's why he hasn't been in here in a couple weeks. He's also pretty pissed they did absolutely jack shit at the trade deadline. And that's what we have to talk about, the trade deadline, because obviously the Knicks did not do anything. But there is one move that we have to discuss. Uh-huh. And it's the biggest move of the trade deadline week. And that is one James Harden oh, yeah. is no longer in Brooklyn. Yeah. Ben Simmons was removed from Philadelphia. So now, how does this look for Brooklyn and Philly going into the second half of the NBA season, Pad? I mean, congratulations, Brooklyn. Your big three played a grand total of 16 games together in two years. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, applause on that. Yeah, yeah. Applause on that experiment. That'll Great help. job, guys. How'd that work out for you? Um, no, for for Brooklyn, I think it's an upgrade for them just because, hey, you have Ben Simmons, when, which when he's playing, you know, and obviously he's got his stuff going on and we and wish him certainly a speedy recovery from everything he's got going on off the court. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health is nothing to, you know, let skirt by. You got to work on that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when he when he gets back and he plays, I think it's an obvious upgrade for Brooklyn at the end of the day. And in terms of Brooklyn, hey, I hope you enjoy a lot of ISO fucking ball. Yeah. Uh, this move, I think, is a win-win asterisk by it. Yeah. Because with everything going on in Brooklyn this year and the drama that has been surrounding this team, and obviously going on that horrible losing streak, which Oy. brought a smile to my face because, well, this New York forever here, and we talk the Knicks all the day, every day. Yeah. This is an interesting move because Harden was the one to go. I thought it was going to be Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I honestly thought Kyrie was gone. But they're going to stick with him, and now you add Ben Simmons into the mix. Ben does not shoot. Yeah. So <laughs> this plays right into Kevin Durant's wheelhouse Yeah. because yeah. now the pressure is really on him. This is going to be a lot for him to deal with. Now, I'm not saying he can't, Yeah. but for this day and age where we hang around super teams, the legacy of Brooklyn is now going to be can you win that chip. Right. And I don't know if this team can. I really don't. I'm not saying this, obviously, being a Knicks fan and a Brooklyn hater. Sure. But I'm honestly saying, like, is this really the upgrade to put him over the top? I, it, I think it makes him better, but does it get it get him over the top? Yeah, not quite. It gets him closer. It gets him closer. But, but not quite there. But honestly, I think this helps out Philly more than anybody. Could be, yeah. Because the one For thing, now. Well, the one thing is with Harden, it's going to be interesting to see how he matches up with Joel Embiid. Well, and when he wants to play. Yeah, but I think now he's going to be a little motivated because you saw there was a little pettiness going on All-Star Weekend. Yeah. Or leading into the All-Star picking, I should say. Yeah. So we we can't forget about that when, uh, obviously, Kevin Durant and LeBron were having their picking of their team. So it's not All-Star Weekend just yet. Yeah, and and if you didn't see that, uh, they were doing their quote-unquote draft. They were picking players for their teams, and 
It was down to some other guy. I forget who it was. Rudy Gobert. Rudy I Go, it was down to Rudy Gobert and, and uh, James Harden. And, well, Kevin Durant's line of thinking was, well, LeBron's got Giannis in between LeBron and Giannis. I'm going to need some size. So Rudy Gobert. And LeBron just put the clipboard up in front of his face and he took James Harden last. And LeBron brought up the legit question, you know, how wait, you know, uh, Harden's been out the last couple of games. Is he going to be able to go? He's got the hamstring. Shout out to Charles Barkley for the early quote of the year. Ah, he's all good. He got traded. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. All-Star Weekend is this weekend coming up. Yes, it is. For, for the NBA. Yes, so it is. This was kind of interesting to see how it played, and Kevin Durant was dodging any kind of question about this, really. He was stone-faced until, and he was stone-faced until Charles Barkley said that, nah, he's good. He got traded. Yeah. And then, and then Durant cracked. Yeah, because let's face it. There is a little pettiness going on there, Uh which makes for some great basketball. In fact, this article that I was reading from ESPN.com, so I definitely have to say that, uh, was James Harden's reaction uh, after the trade. Yeah. So Tim Bonatemps wrote it. Okay. And the quote that he used here, this is James Harden speaking. Yep. Quote, for me, it made sense, man. It's a time where I needed to be around guys I know want to win. What the fuck? And know what they are willing to to do, whatever it takes to win. And the structure here is unbelievable. This is his quote. I call a, bullshit on that in the biggest way possible. Where I needed to be around guys I know wanted to win. So what the fuck do you call those years in OKC with you, Durant, and Russell Westbrook? What do you call those years in Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma City, in Houston where you had, among others, CP3? The only argument I, I think you can make is Washington because that fucking team sucks. Yeah. But... Brooklyn, you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, although admittedly, like I said, only played 16 games together. I call bullshit on that in the biggest way possible. Oh, I think he took some shots. So that's why I'm saying you're going to have a motivated James Harden. I also want to point out the first matchup these two have against each other. I think it's in Philly uh, is March 10th. Yeah, and that's I, I know it's March 10th. But I could be wrong on the date or the location, but I think it's in Philly. Yeah, so I definitely want to watch that when this all goes down. Uh, if that game wasn't on national television before, it is now. Yeah, exactly. So for hard to make that is his uh, introductory uh, uh, conference there, the first time talking to the media there. Uh, telling, very, very telling. And I'm here for this. I am here for the pettiness because obviously the Knicks have imploded and we'll restructure next year. It's it's cool. I was like, can we t- can we just say for one second just how big of a collapse that has been from like double overtime win against Boston Celtics in the start of the season and that whole like bing bong video thing that went around mm-hmm. to this? Yikes. Well, the problem, and I won't spend too much time on it because I'd rather get Coach's opinion when he decides to grace us with his presence. I think that it's just a matter of the system that Thibodeau is running was not working with some players. And I think that there is a disconnect with the roster. And I think that this offseason they're going to address it and address it very quickly. I think that you're going to see some moves. I was not mad they did not make any moves at this trade deadline. Sure. Because the one that kept coming up was Russell Westbrook. And I don't – that would have been disgusting. That contract's a nightmare after this year. Exactly. That contract would have been disgusting to have that, on the books. That, that contract is a night. That's And I, I think that's part of the reason Russell didn't get moved was because teams were looking at that contract and going, and seriously, the contract's a monster after this year. No. Y- yeah, so to take that hit for the cap, I think it would have just been disastrous for the Knicks. So I'm, I'm okay with them not making moves. We'll ride this out, and, and whatever we get this season is whatever we get. Also, I looked it up. Yeah, I, I was right. Thursday, March 10th, 7 o'clock, or excuse me, 7.30 Eastern, Brooklyn Nets at the Philadelphia 76ers, TNT. Oh, we'll be watching. <laughs> I'm going to make a point to watch that game. 
Either Harden's going to go off for 55 or Durant's going to have a career game. That depends. If Kevin if Kevin Hart's in the crowd and pisses him off, he might do it. Yeah, so... Any, Harden's done that in Philly before. Kevin Hart pissed him off. Yeah, so anything is possible for that, but we had to address that. I could not let this show go away until we talk about that trade because I think it's a win-win asterisk, but I tell you what, I like Philly's chances better. I genuinely do because I think that Embiid needed somebody to really balance that shooting out with him. He got it now. Well, we'll find out how much uh, Embiid likes iso ball. This is true. You know somebody who likes ISO ball? Brian Wolf. Hey. He's the music you hear on this show uh, for the sports broadcast. And obviously he's doing a lot of big things down in Austin, Texas. Uh, when will we see him on the show? I don't know. But, Pat, if I want to find out about Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over the music section. You check out everything going on with Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Everything going on with Tom Jello. Yard Party. Floodlands. Shout out the robots. All fantastic people. You need to go support the hell out of them. But while you're at the website, you swing on over to the directory where we are on how many providers now, Pat? Uh, 18,000. And three. So you definitely have no excuse not to drop that follow, drop that five-star review on your favorite podcast player for the ODPH because we make it so accessible. It's right there. and We're adding more. If we're not on your favorite provider, let us know and we'll try fixing that the best we can because that's what we do here. Also, while you're at the webpage, check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping each week for the complimentary section of the podcast. And the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as Three Fat Nerds, Horizon 607, 8122 Productions, Dragon Master Games, and plenty more. Organizational links support and Black Lives Matter are on there as well. Also, the great pod groups we are in. So shout out to the Inner Circle, shout out to the Apocalypse, and of course, shout out to 8122 Productions. All of that to T Public Store and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Way back